Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. This is the Nightcap with Tim Murray and Super Bowl champion Sean King on VSIN, the sports betting network. That is Sean King throwing up the three. Former Super Bowl champ, Tampa Bay Buccaneer, Arizona Cardinal, two-lane green wave. Great. All of that good stuff. I'm just a guy. Just likes to ask questions and get answers. Like answers from our next guest, Kenny White, who joins us right now on assignment. So we don't get to see his pretty face, but we get to hear his velvet tones. And all that matters is that he is now 6-1 and one in his favorite play on this show. Last week... He went back to the totals market and bada bing, bada boom, under Wyoming and Air Force came home. So we're feeling good. Kenny, always a pleasure. At KYD Vegas on Twitter. Uh, we were just mentioning a couple games as potential letdown spots. And I want to go to Austin, Texas. Um, because Sean is staring at the points with the Pokes, Oklahoma State. I, I don't know what to feel because I, I like Texas. I think Oklahoma State stinks offensively, but they're good defensively. Uh, so when you look at this spot in Austin, uh, you've got an unbeaten team getting points, Oklahoma State and Texas. Uh, what's your opinion on this one where the total is sitting at 60 right now? Just because power ratings alone are not going to make you the money. It's only a part of the equation. It's a big part of the equation having those power ratings but it's about 80%. That other 20% is those tangible uh, aspects of game planning and matchups and revenge factor, look-aheads and letdowns that have to be added in, and this one has everything to it. Oklahoma State revenge from last year, losing at home in overtime to Texas. Uh, they had a week off to prepare for this game. That's big. Texas's major letdown maybe from losing to Oklahoma. And also, you know, a couple other handicapping factors I like to follow. Taking a, a well above average team, which that is Oklahoma State getting points, betting on a uh, the better defensive team that's getting points, almost a touchdown. Those are always good handicapping tools. So everything leads to Oklahoma State. And I was afraid of a letdown. My numbers say the game should be 13 and a half, Ooh. but there's no way I can lay it because I'm worried about that letdown. But then again, you start to look. Texas is now two and one in the conference. Oklahoma State's 2-0. A loss to Oklahoma State knocks Texas completely out of the race. They're done. If they run the table and they beat Oklahoma State in this game, they now have the edge on the the head-to-head matchup. They run the table. They're playing Oklahoma again for the Big 12 championship. So I don't think they have a letdown. I think they come to play. I think their defense has to step up. Oklahoma State plays very slow. Uh, they're three and one to the under the three one and one under this year, uh, but their tempo isn't there. Uh, their defense is far better than their offense. Their defense ranks fifteenth in yards per play allowed, but 
their offense number 100 right now. So um, I, I like it under the total. I think it's going to be a t- I think it's a big game. It's a playoff type game because the winner has a huge edge for the conference to get to play Oklahoma later on in the year. Yeah, some spots around town you can find a 60 and a half, mostly 60. So uh, do your shopping as we chat with Kenny White. Uh, Kenny, I, you know, last week. And I think I gave it out in our bankroll, but I wrote it up for the website and then I had it pulled down because, you know, it just, I got that weird feeling because I liked the spot for LSU last week. But then at the end of the day, I just think that this team might have quit on Ed Orgeron. And another player is out for the season in Eli Ricks. They lose Butte, uh, their leading wide receiver for the season earlier this week. That's in addition to Stingley, who's out. And now you've got Florida coming into town. It's a big number. It's 11 and a half at some spots, moving up to 12. Uh, a total now uh, down in Baton Rouge of 59. It's going to be a noon or 11 a.m. local start time. So got to imagine the atmosphere is not going to be great, Kenny. Uh, what do you see with LSU hosting Florida? Does the Ed Orgeron squad have anything left in them? You know, I, you try to read between the lines sometimes, and I always thought everybody there in LSU loves Ed Ogeron. I thought the players really love him, and, and it may be so. So I was thinking that, and and this number has gotten so far out of control. Uh, Florida, ten double-digit favorite at LSU just doesn't seem right. But when you start to factor in Butte's worth a point and a half, uh, Stingley's worth a point and a half, Ricks is worth a point, and when you have a cluster injury like that at cornerback, so I got – Two and a half points there. I take another half of that total, 1.25 points. Almost got minus four points on defense, point and a half on offense. You start to make those adjustments. My line is closer to now Florida minus nine and a half in this game, and I think that's about right. I don't want to lay it. I just don't want to bet against uh, uh, LSU to bet against them because I still think deep down they still have some athletes. They're still very good. but I'm going to go under in this game, and it's because of Florida and their pace. They play extremely slow pace. Um, offense has been dynamic, and the LSU uh, or the defense for Florida has been good. LSU's offense has been been putrid, and then you lose a guy like Bote. Uh, that's just going to be be trouble for this offense. I just don't think they move the football against the Gators, and the only way the Gators or the, the only way LSU has a chance in this game is to play defense, and I think they can step up and you know, be decent in this spot. That is their strength if they have a strength at all right now. Talk once again to Kenny White. Uh, a spot on Saturday that I think the public is going to be on, and it's hard to avoid because Alabama off losses usually takes out the wrath on their next opponent. Mississippi State is no chump, though, and this is a big number to be laying on the road. Uh, it gets down to 16 and a half, and then it gets bumped right back up to 17. Um, but, you know, you're a guy who, who lives by his power ratings. When you look at Mississippi State at home getting 17 points, is this a spot, even though you're facing Saban off a loss, to take the points with the home dog? Yeah, there's not a lot of uh, data out there for Saban off a loss. It's happened in a regular season three times in the last four <laughs> years, and they they covered all three. One was a bowl game against Michigan they covered, so – can't even sure if I can use that in the sample. It's really 2-0 if it's a regular season loss, playing a regular season game. And I believe they had a Heisman Trophy winner and an NFL quarterback running their squad. Bryce Young's far from that right now because he's inexperienced. Uh, Mike Leach is still one of my favorite coaches. I think he does a great job. He hasn't been able to really put his offense and his touch into this team yet. They play very slow. They're 93rd in the country in pace. 
and their offense ranks just 73rd at 5.7 yards of play. Their defense is 60th in the country. That's really been their strength, but I think they're well-coached and amazing. Bama loses at A&M. Mississippi State's had a week off after beating A&M and A&M, 26-22 in a low-scoring game, and that's the way Mississippi State games have been going, low-scoring football games, and it's going to be played at a slow pace. Uh, Average plays in a college game is 142. This one will have about 132, so 10 less plays, and um, Mississippi State's played the second-toughest schedule in the country right now, so I'm leaning to Mississippi State plus the points here. Yeah, right now, 17, pretty much across the board. South Point has dipped down to 16 and a half. All right, Kenny, I just discussed this game last hour. I'm not going to lead the witness. I'm just going to sit back and cross <laughs> my fingers uh, that we're on a similar side here. Uh, we've got Lane Kiffin off of a thrilling win going back to the place he formerly coached at Tennessee. Tennessee has looked the part. Uh, albeit against lesser competition these last couple of weeks. Seen some movement in this line. A ridiculously high total uh, sitting at 82 or 82.5. Mississippi pretty much across the board now, just a a 2.5-point favorite. Ole Miss at Tennessee, night game, Neyland Stadium. What do you see? Yeah, man, wasn't that a smokescreen, that total from 85.5? down to 79 last uh, last Sunday. Yeah. But, man, where are they going with this under? I don't know how you could bet it under. Mississippi just played Arkansas to 103 points, and Arkansas has got a defense, uh, and, and their offense is just barely above average. Now you're throwing these two teams out here. Uh, the Tennessee's defense is not quite as good as Arkansas, and their offense is way better. And then you add to it, Hendon Hooker now is the starting quarterback. They put up over 100 points the last two games since Hooker's been the, been the starter. Just much more of a dynamic quarterback. Their offense is so much better. And this is Josh Heupel, last year number one in the country in pace at Central Florida. I think for the last two out of the last three years, his team's been the fastest in the country. He's trying to get it there with Tennessee, and with Hooker, it's getting faster each week. They're number five in the country in pace. Well, who's in the top five? Mississippi's third. Lane Kiffin's playing faster than Tennessee right now. I think this is this is just two teams that want to score and score in a hurry. And I think it's going to be the same type of game as we saw last week with Arkansas, Mississippi. And this is, this is going to be a fun one to watch over the total for me. All right, there you go. All right, so I, I like the home dog here, uh, but uh, I, I think that is a reasonable way to go to look at uh, over the total. Speaking of totals, Kenny, last week he gave us Wyoming and Air Force to the under. That comes home 24-14. to 6-1 in your favorite plays. So uh, look in that bag of tricks there that you got. Any uh, favorite plays this week on the board for us? Always going to give you my best one. This is going to be another total. I'm going to go under and way off the radar trying to. Uh, Louisiana Monroe's playing Liberty this week. I'm going to go under this number. Um, the board, I should find that for you first to tell you what that number 167, is. 167, 168, it's a 56 and a half. Yeah, I, I made it 146 and a half. Uh, Louisiana Monroe, the worst offense in college football. They average less than four yards per play, and they're up against the number 16 defense in Liberty. Uh, this Liberty defense has been the strength of the team all year long. Uh, Their offense ranked 33rd. They're 46th running the football, 29th in points at 35.3 a game. They'll score their points against Monroe, but it's not gonna. They're not gonna get 50. I don't. I don't think Monroe can score in this game. Liberty is five and one to the under this year. 
They will call the dogs off at a certain point when they're up 42 to nothing. There you go. Under, off the radar, still cash is the same. Liberty and UL Monroe. Kenny, you're the best. We always appreciate it. Even calling in from on assignment. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Tim. Have a great week. All right, man. There he is. K Whitey Vegas, where you can follow him on Twitter. It's the Nightcap here on Visa. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Get ready for all the action this NBA season with the VSIN basketball betting experts grab your copy of the vcin pro Beto pro basketball betting guide now with strategies predictions and best bets to stay ahead of the odds makers our hoop experts including jvt jonathan von tobel provide strategy and advice as well as predictions for conference winners win totals playoff teams and player awards the digital guide is a must-have so give yourself a betting edge this season and get your copy for only $9.99. Head over to vcin.com backslash subscribe. That is Super Bowl champ, former Tampa Bay Buccaneer, Sean King. I am Tim Murray as we are here on a Wednesday night. Game five of the NLDS tomorrow night. We will get a preview with Dieter Kurtenbach from KNBR coming up in 15 minutes. Uh, you look at this game, I think Westgate in most spots, Sean opened just essentially a pick. I mean, 105-105 was the way Westgate did. Uh, seems like a little bit of buyback towards the home team, but not much. Uh, and that's where we stand right now. Logan Webb on the hill, Julio Urias, uh, a total of seven at most spots, juice to the under. Uh, we'll get the we'll get the uh, preview here just momentarily uh, with Dieter. But any feel on on what to anticipate tomorrow? Great environment. It will be phenomenal there in San Francisco. And here's my opinion, and it's kind of a cop-out opinion. If it's a high-scoring game, the Dodgers win. If it's a low-scoring game, I think the Giants win. Kind of how the series has gone. The two Giant, the two Dodger wins, they've really hit the ball well. Mm-hmm. I think they scored 9 and 7, respectively. And then the two Giants wins, it's been really low-scoring games. So, Logan Webb was terrific uh, earlier in this series uh, against the Dodgers. So, you know, we will uh, we will see. He went five scoreless, had ten strikeouts in that four to nothing win over the Dodgers in Game One. So he's on full rest coming into this game. Uh, Dave Roberts said Max Scherzer they don't want him to have to pitch uh, in this game. They want to try to keep him for Game One if they were to get there. Uh, of game to, one of the NLCS. To me, the value's in the under. Yeah, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I mean, you look at the Giants. They've scored 4-2-1-2. Two, two. So they had the four runs in the first game. Since then, two runs, one run, two runs. And the Dodgers and the two they won, they broke out. I mm-hmm. don't think they're going to put up a bunch of runs on Logan Webb tomorrow. And the Giants haven't really figured out, not just the Dodgers starters, but that bullpen has been lights out. I mean, they have shut that lineup down, so... I know seven looks like a small number, but I think the, the the play is to the under. Hey, look back to 
how they closed out that one to nothing game, game three in Los Angeles, uh, when Scherzer pitched as well as you could ask for, but the bullpen came in, Rogers, McGee, uh, Doval came in, closed it down with two scoreless innings. Uh, can't wait for this game tomorrow. It's going to be great. Six oh seven excitement, man. It's going to be awesome. Six oh seven Pacific, nine oh seven Eastern time, uh, and we'll get more on this game just in a little bit with Dieter Kurtenbach once again. Uh, slight favorites are the Giants here in Las Vegas, depending on where you look. Minus 107 seems to be a right around that total. Here at Circa, minus 108. South Point, the same. Uh, you have a pick em at Caesars. So, yeah, it's it's right around. Yeah, I've got minus toss-up. 105, minus 105. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's kind of the way you're looking mm-hmm. at heading into this game. I actually will not bet this game. Before the game, I'll wait and play, play it live. Okay. I get think you'll comeback. get better value. Okay. Whatever your opinion is, I think you'll get better value because it's minus 125 to the under. And we'll be sitting here tomorrow night. We'll have yeah. Bucks and Eagles on, which we'll get a little bit more on that game. Uh, that should be a blowout. In the final segment. And All right, there you go. We should run the Eagles tomorrow. I like how you say we. Because you played for them. Yeah. I can't say that for anybody. Yeah. Unless it's Muhlenberg I'm basketball. I'm from there. I played for them. I mean... Kind of have, Super Bowl with yeah, them. I've earned enough. I, yeah, I would yeah, say. To say we. I would say yeah. you've, you've earned enough. Right, it's not like. When you, you know, if you never won a playoff game, I'd say, I don't know. But you did win a playoff game, so. Okay. But then again, like, I feel like everybody <laughs> should have, like, teams that you've been loyal to, that you've consistently root for. Well, you can say we, too. See, you're just being nice. No. You actually played for them. It means more. Like, yeah. you can say Notre Dame. No, I can't. I, in my I opinion, didn't even you get can. in. Oh, I didn't try. I didn't try to. That's the that's the biggest uh, victory of my life. I didn't apply to Notre Dame, so I can never say I didn't get in. Right. I wouldn't have got in, but I can't. But I don't but know. Maybe you I would. Eat, sleep, breathe Notre Dame. So like, we makes it more important. It just means more. When you say we, it means more. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But I can. I'm, and then you just look at me, and you're like, that guy's a jabroni. And you look at Sean, and you're like, oh yeah, that guy. I remember. Uh, remember he beat the Washington you're my football partner, team. Man, I would never call you a jabroni. It's okay fair um not that i know what a jabroni is but and the rock used to say yeah. um who's gonna be the next raiders coach who should be the oh, next gosh. raiders coach uh the odds right now at DraftKings. i mean it's it's throwing a dart I mean, at this point you've got brian eric b enemy brian dable over in buffalo joe brady todd bowles man todd bowles that defense is so nasty Rich Bisaccia, who is the interim head coach. Uh, Lincoln Riley, who apparently is doesn't want anyone watching practice at Oklahoma. <laughs> Kellen Moore, uh, who's done a really good job this year uh, with Dallas. Gus Bradley, who's a defensive coordinator right now in, in Las Vegas. Dabo Sweeney, no. Uh, Matt Eberflus. You know, when I look at, I think Gus Bradley and Rich Bisaccia more than likely are on their way out. Just depends. Like here's the thing, like you just can't say that until the season it just gets a little feels that way. Until the can gets kicked a, a, a little let's just say the Raiders win their next four games. Yeah. You know? And now it's okay. I don't need to make a move. Making a move costs. Because more than likely he's bringing a whole new staff, but you still have to pay these guys what's left on their contract. Then you've got to pay the new guys that are coming in. You know, so it's like let, let you know, Coach Basaccia and this crew play it out. Now, I know you know Rich Basaccia. Right, right, and I'm not. Currently. I'm no, no, saying no. anybody in these situations. Same thing right. at USC. 
when uh, Dante took over when they fired Helton, I said, this is going to be his audition. Sure. And it hasn't gone great. So he, they're going to go and look in a different direction. But if USC was sitting here and had won all their games since he took over, you know, it's kind of like, why do we have to go somewhere else if we have the guy here? Who would you, I know we've got odds, but when you look at this job, you think it's appealing. Uh, it's, it's an intriguing job, right? Um, this is, it's appealing and intriguing without me knowing anything about the, the health of the salary cap. I have not taken a deep dive on the financial side of how much salary cap space do they have? Can we be a player in free agency? If the new head coach comes in, is Mike Mayock going to remain the GM? Does Mike Mayock have a say in who the next head coach is going to be? Like a lot of things will go, you know, into this process. You know, as a incoming head coach, I would only want this job if one, Mayock was involved. Was or wasn't? Was and decided that I was the guy that they want to hire or Mayock wasn't going to be here. Right. I don't want to come somewhere where the GM didn't have any point or part in hiring me and he maybe doesn't think I'm the guy for the job anyway. That's starting a relationship off on bad footing because the head coach and the GM have to be able to work hand in hand. Like we can't have different ideals about what an elite offensive lineman looks back like or what do we need from a roster standpoint. Like I've got to be able to go in that office or he's got to be able to come in my office and we have some honest and heart-to-heart real conversations and, and because we want the same desired result. Derek Carr, who's been playing well, uh, his contract is manageable. Uh, there is uh, no dead cap. If he's released, there's no dead cap. But I don't think you get away from because But he's also cheap. He's $19 million for but a quarterback. But to me, the quarterback's not the problem. Like, no, if I, I took this job over, I wouldn't immediately say... Who I would mean, you? But I guess my question is, who would you like to see? Just everything Eric aside. Bianchi. I Eric. think he deserves a shot. It's a familiarity that already exists with the division. Yeah, you know, I'm sure that'd be a thorn in Andy Reid's side. That, <laughs> no doubt. You know, I, I think a guy like that is a guy you want. You know, he's a player's coach. The players like him. You know, he brings diversity to an organization that's battling right now. The guy that they just resigned. Not really believing it looks like in diversity or women's rights, or right. you know, so it, it, it checks a lot of boxes. And it's a guy that's coming from one of the best offenses we've seen in a long time in the National Football League. He more than deserves an opportunity yeah. for what he has done, and there's a reason why he's a co-favorite. Um, I'd be interested. Todd in Bowles is also interesting too. I think Todd Bowles is a tremendous coach. Absolutely tremendous. The thing with Todd Bowles is. The Bucks do what they're supposed to do. More than likely, I would assume Bruce Aarons is going to retire. This Todd get the Tampa job. You think he's retiring this year? If they win it, I would assume. Really? Yep. Okay. It's going to be an interesting case. They get the head start, but does that help them? We will see. But Eric Bieniemy, maybe this is the year. Maybe they bow out early. You could finally get one of those jobs. <laughs> he's going so late into the playoffs. Giants and Dodgers tomorrow night in the Bay. We we'll get you a preview next, right here on the Nightcap. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
Get in on Bellator 268 action for free with the Bellator MMA Prediction Challenge. Answer questions about how you think it'll all go down on October 16th for your shot at up to $5,000. Head to DraftKings.com backslash Showtime now to make your predictions before this fight begins. Who will be one step closer to claiming the light heavyweight throne? Don't miss the light heavyweight World Grand Prix semifinals Saturday, October 16th, live on Showtime. Terms and conditions apply and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Alongside Super Bowl champ, former Tampa Bay Buccaneer, Tampa Bay Rays fan who's still in mourning. That is Sean King. Why you got to bring up something so hurtful and painful? You never do that. You never do that to me. Uh, But there is uh, still one more game in the divisional rounds. The Atlanta Braves are waiting to find out where they're fueling the jet to fly to, whether it be L.A. or San Francisco, and to preview Game 5 of the NLDS. We bring in Dieter Kurtenbach, friend of the network, San Jose Mercury News. Also check him out on KNBR as well. Uh, Dieter, first question, maybe a bit bizarre, but... You know, based off what we saw in L.A. with heavy winds blowing in that led to unders, uh, especially in that one nothing game, what what are we looking like weather-wise? You know, San Francisco could be a little wacky uh, come uh, come the fall months. Is it going to be chilly? Are we going to see people bundled up? Are we going to see some winds? What are we looking like as I make you throw on your meteorologist hat here at uh, on the uh, nightcap? I think we're going to be looking at fairly typical San Francisco weather on a Thursday night. So temperature starting around maybe 65, but a San Francisco 65. So bring your coat and then dropping down into the the lower 50s if the game goes on for a while. Not seeing any wind here. uh, So if you wanted to play the under seven and a half at at minus 120, which is what I'm looking at right now, that, that might not be the play. Uh, ironically, in San Francisco, there is a very small chance of precipitation tomorrow. Ooh. So if that happens, you really know the baseball guys are stepping in. I wouldn't expect that. It's not like it's going to actually accumulate at all. It is Northern California. Heaven forbid we actually have real rain. But uh, a, a sprinkle here and there, perhaps putting some dew upon the bats uh, and giving a little bit of sticky stuff for, uh, for the pitchers uh, might come into play. But that's just a slim chance. Something to keep an eye on. Logan Webb, Dieter, was just terrific uh, in in game one. Uh, goes seven uh, out duels. Who, the guy he'll be pitching against uh, tomorrow night in Julio Urias. Um, you know, the way that we've seen... Actually, no, I beg your pardon. He pitched against Walker Bueller. My apologies. Uh, mm-hmm. In game one. So, you look at ten strikeouts, seven and two-thirds. Is this, you know... I mean, he had a great year. Um, is this something yeah. that you feel like can and will be duplicated uh, come tomorrow night with his mastery of that Dodgers lineup. Well, what's your feel of Logan Webb, and do you like him in this high leverage spot come tomorrow night? I love him in the high leverage spot because he can't forget that the game that Logan Webb had pitched before Game One was Game One Sixty Two for the uh, for the San Francisco Giants, and that game had some fairly serious implications. The Giants had to win that game, and Logan Webb was was damn good in that one, too. So this is a guy who has the temperament and the stuff that you want in a big game like this. There's a reason that the, the Giants pegged him for game one, and uh, luckily the rotation came up his way for game 162. It's the reason that you know they, they built in. As soon as they got that 2-1 lead, they said, Webb in game five. We want to make sure that 
The guy who started it is the guy who's going to finish it. They feel very confident with the 24-year-old. He's a guy who gets amped up with the crowd. Uh, that's not a hindrance. We've seen a couple guys take the mound for both teams in this series that want nothing to do with this bad boy. Logan Webb wants everything to do with it. He wants all the smoke. And listen, I think that the, the expectation of the Dodgers is that they're going to be a little bit more patient and that they're going to try to work the count a little bit more. And Webb isn't always the guy who's in, you know, he's not going up there as wild thing, but he's not, you know, an elite control guy by any stretch. Uh, I'm interested to see how he fares with that, but the stuff is so nasty. The command on his three pitches, which are all just wild, uh, not, not in terms of accuracy, but in terms of how does he make a ball move like that? I just can't foresee him having a clunker, right? I just even if he's average, that should be good enough to put the Giants in a position to to win a game. And um, I don't know if he goes the full seven and two thirds like he did in Game One, but that's not that huge of an issue for the Giants. I think that they might have him go really hard for five innings or so. I think that's the best case scenario. Kevin Gosman sitting in that bullpen too, and he can be extremely devastating if you only need him for two or three innings. So the Giants have their ace and their other ace. Uh, by the way, Logan Webb hasn't lost a game since early May. Uh, I think that might matter for something. They're going to have their two best starting pitchers ready to go in this game. I'd expect both of them to pitch. And then the back end of their bullpen, which has been a little shaky, but they love this Doval kid who's been closing games. They like Tyler Rogers. They like Jake McGee. They think if they have to use five pitchers, they're going to have their five best pitchers on the roster going in game five. And, and that's more than can be said for the Dodgers. Dieter Kurtenbach from the San Jose Mercury News here on the nightcap. Dieter, I, Logan's not my issue. So you've kind of talked me into betting with the Giants tomorrow. But I do have a question. When you look at their run output, four, four runs in the first, but since then... 2-1-2, really been struggling to get runners in scoring position home and to get timely and clutch hits. Talk to me about this being game five and them having seen, I know they play in the same division, but them having seen this Dodgers bullpen for four straight games, is that going to be a benefit for these Giants bats? And should we expect them to be more productive than they have been? Well, I'll give it this. Basically, there are two San Francisco Giants lineups. And as a Rays fan, you understand this firsthand. They, they have two different teams. They have a lefty team and a righty team, and they platoon by the day. So the Giants are going to go with the team that hits lefties. So they're going to have a right-handed heavy lineup, which means that a guy, Austin Slater, who I, I, has there been a moment for Austin Slater in this series? He's probably going to be batting third tomorrow. Um, they're going to go up and down the lineup right-handed heavy bat or with guys just ready to pound this left-hander Julio Rios. And uh, we'll see if that works. It didn't work great in game two. And if it doesn't work great in game five, they'll lose. But um, they have done very well against left-handed pitching this year. They're not like the White Sox or the Blue Jays. They're not like hyper elite at it, but they're damn good. This is the team that led the national league in home runs this past season. And, and honestly, that seems to be the biggest impediment for this team right now. The Dodgers have, uh, a couple of guys in their lineup that they can put in every day, guys who will come through with base hits, doubles, you know, just really professional hitters. The Giants are somewhat of a boomer bust offense, and they boomed a lot. And so it didn't seem as if it was that variable uh, throughout the season. But right now, in classic Billy Bean Moneyball fashion, the stuff isn't working right now. And they're going to need to get a home run or two in this game if they want any chance to win because that's been the formula all season. The lineup should be set up to get those kind of home runs, but we, we will find out if they can get the ball up in the air and out of the ballpark. 
if there's one place that you don't want to need to be hitting home runs, it's probably Oracle Park at night in the critical game. So we'll see how it goes. But this team has not shown a proclivity so far in this series or really all year for just sort of grinding home runs. That is not their M.O., and I don't expect them to change something that worked for them for 107 wins this season. I don't expect them to try to change their identity going into a Game 5. Talk once again to Dieter Kurtenbach from uh, San Jose Mercury News and KNBR there in the Bay Area. Is this too simplistic to say about the total? If you like the Giants, take the under. If you like the Dodgers, take the over. Because so far, small sample size in this series, the two Dodger wins have gone over the total. 7-2, 9-2 victories for the Dodgers. The two Giants wins, 4-0, 1-0, have gone under. Is that too simple of a way to look at this game? No, I, I think that's actually a really effective way to look at it. And, and obviously, anytime something seems that obvious, my my alarms are going yep. off and saying, just don't bet it. But um, <laughs> I, I think that there's something to be said for that, right? Because for uh, as much as we like to talk up here in the Bay Area about, oh, the Giants are a better team and they won more games in the regular season than X, Y, and Z, they're missing their best power hitter who probably wouldn't have been in the lineup, if we're being totally honest, in Brandon Belt just because he is a lefty. But they've missed him for the last week of the season and now this this postseason to date, uh, they've kind of lost a little bit of their identity, their talisman. You know, Belt is the captain of the team, self-appointed, but nevertheless the captain. No one's really uh, challenged him for the throne yet. And he's the kind of guy who well before they started doing this modern baseball that they're playing with two different lineups and taking a bunch of pitches and all the stuff that is pretty ubiquitous to successful teams in this day and age. Belt was the guy kind of doing those things ahead of time. He was the guy who would grind out pitches for 16, 17 pitches. He was the guy who would only swing if the ball was perfectly in the spot for him to tee off on it. Uh, He's the guy who, frankly, you shouldn't have been playing when a lefty was on the mound, but they didn't have any alternative. He has been the identity of this team without him in there. It does feel like they get a little bit wayward, and I think they're pressing a little bit. The Dodgers have so much firepower. That firepower cannot be contained. If Logan Webb slips up a little bit, yes, they go to Gosman, but they got Gosman in game two, and they can get other guys in this Giants bullpen. So I'd take the over if you're feeling the Dodgers. I'd I'd go double down on that. At Dieter is where you can find him on Twitter. Dieter, always appreciate it, man. Thank you. Anytime, guys. Talk soon. There he is, Dieter Kurtenbach. A great stat regarding tomorrow's game next right here on the Nightcap. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the sports betting network. Indeed helps you find great hires fast. Indeed is your all-in-one platform for interviewing, screening, and hiring high-quality people. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. Thanks again to Dieter Kurtenbach. His thoughts on Game 5 of the NLDS Giants and Dodgers. Can't wait, man. Deciding games and baseball. So much fun. So much energy. So much uh, tightness. I just love his name. Like, it sounds so sophisticated, like Dieter Kirkenbach. And he's taller than me. Tall fella. Yeah, some gangly people. Probably you. Yeah. <laughs> Say you're gangly, not tall. Tall okay. presumes, like, athletic appearance, athletic ability. Gangly is like, he's just big. I don't know why. 
God blessed the gene pool over there and gave him all that hype, but he did. So we we'll love him. You done? I'm finished. Okay. Um, <laughs> you don't think Aaron would like want to be your height? Like, come on. <laughs> well, I don't know. There's some roller coasters I can't ride because I'm too tall. You know. There's some roller coasters that Aaron can't. Oh ride. man, come on. Messed <laughs> up. Dude can't even. He's not even here to defend himself. Oh, he's listening. He's just, just bullying people. I played quarterback in the I NFL. I didn't say that. You said that. You. Yeah, I did. You not implied. Make this about me. You implied that talking about the lack of my athletic ability. Look, we, some of us only could play D three. I know listen, you played big bad D one at Tulane and played in the you NFL. You were very handsome in your orange tux. I know I was. I was very handsome in orange tux. It made the orange hair look a little bit uh, oranger. Um, how about this stat about tomorrow night's game? Giants and Dodgers. Okay. The Giants this season have won 19 of Logan Webb's last 21 starts. Julio Urias, when he's on the hill, the Dodgers have won 19 of his last 22 starts. The Giants are 13-0 and this year when Logan Webb starts at home. I mean, I, I, I think I'm it is just, just going to good play the against under. good, man. I think I'm going to just play the under. I mean, and I'm going to say that, okay, Logan and Urias show up with their best stuff. I think it's an underplay. Yeah. That, would be, that would be the way I would go. Once again, the two games that Dodgers won, their bats came to life. Seven runs, nine runs over in both of those games. And then the two games that the Giants won, they shut out the Dodgers. One nothing in L.A., four to nothing in Game One of this series when Logan Webb was phenomenal, seven and two thirds with ten strikeouts. Um, you know, I thought Dieter made an interesting point and case about the Giants, which is unlike the Dodgers, who won't have the services likely of Max Scherzer or Walker Bueller out of the bullpen. They have Gossman available. They have Gossman, who yeah. got lit up in Game Two. So it, it is—it's so remarkable this. I mean, it's just great against great. The Giants 54 and 27 at home this year, but they haven't been hitting all that well in this series. Yeah. They're hitting a buck 84 as a team. I think I think their eyes are closed. Like, are they swinging like <laughs> blind? Like, you watch them play sometimes, you're like, good Lord. Are you actually getting a check to hit the baseball? <laughs> but uh, again, both bullpens, the Dodger bullpen has been lights out. I mean, lights out. And I, I think the unders, I might do this. I might play heavy under first five and heavy under for the game. First five, you're looking at three and a half most spots. Juice to the under, minus 120 is the shortest price I'm seeing uh, at three and a half for the first five. And then full game here at Circa, it just went to six and a half. Juice to the over, so you can get a plus price on the under, but you're not getting that buffer uh, there at seven, so... Uh, to each its own when it comes to this Giants and Dodgers game. Total at seven. Uh, it is a pick 'em. It really is. Circa, minus 108 to the Giants, minus 102 to the Dodgers. Westgate, minus 107 to, uh, to the Giants, minus 103 to the Dodgers. As you see, DraftKings, minus 110 both ways. This was interesting. In all the four games, the only time they've gone over four runs in the first five innings was the last game. The Dodgers won seven to two. Yeah. Over three and a half, I mean. Every other game, even the 9-2 game in, I think it was game two, they only had three runs through five innings. 
Both pitchers, as we mentioned, have been pitching well. Uh, you know, both got the win in their respective starts uh, this series, so uh, it's going to be great. You know, it would have it would have been you know Max Scherzer. I would love to see Max Scherzer the way he pitched in. No, you sit over four. there on the side and relax. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or game three, excuse me, yeah, in the one to nothing game. Relax. Maybe your guy Evan Longoria will come up and uh, he had a solo shot, right? Yeah, that was yeah. the only run in Game Three. Evan's my dude, my guy, good dude. You ever in Tampa? Go to Ducky's, the sports bar, really good spot. Get the deviled eggs; they're unbelievable. So no official play on the game. You like under first half, yeah. first five. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a big under first five. All right, and then I have a smaller under for the game. And I don't, I just don't trust the Giants bullpen as much as I trust the the Dodgers. Yeah, the Dodgers bullpen. So, has been what's stepping your up. take? Because the game will have started when we get on the air yep. tomorrow. What's your take on Tampa mm-hmm. and Philly? Was it sitting at six and a half with a total of fifty-two and a half? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, right now um, six and a half at South Point, six and a half at DraftKings. There's some sevens out there, so if you like Philly, uh, you can get a juice seven minus one twenty. Um, it just feels like. Especially a dip into six and a half. Now six and a half doesn't juice things. It's minus one ten always. That's just the way that they they roll. So mm-hmm. uh, they never do the juiced sides like Circa and Westgate have right now. It feels like the odds makers are begging you to take Tampa Bay, doesn't it? Yeah. I just think the game's gonna be high scoring. I think with Tampa's issues in the secondary, Rager Smith are dynamic enough to cause some problems. You know, if they watch the Patriots game, a lot of people look at that Dolphins game, look at the final score. Miami was still in it, you know, for the first half. And it, you know, it doesn't take a lot to get to 52. Sure. You know, and the one thing we do know about Bruce and Tom, they're still going to be throwing the ball in the fourth quarter. So now that I know the weather's 79, only 10% chance of rain, so I'm not going to place the wager and end up in a monsoon. I think I like the over. Is and it's probably too small of a sample because the first road game for Tampa was the Rams game. They yeah. lose that. Rams are terrific. Now Tom Brady threw it for a gajillion yards. And then the second one was in a torrential downpour. Obviously, emotions were high. Taking on New England. They get the win 19 to 17. So they are 0 2 ATS on the road this year. Um man, every everyone's just gonna be on Tampa in this spot. So I, I don't know. I don't have a great feel. Maybe my mind will change come tomorrow. I know yeah. you like, so you like the over. In this. I like the over. I just like, you know, I mentioned this prop, Leonard Fournette receiving yards. I know Brad said he doesn't love where it's gone to. He liked where it opened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he has become a very regular target. Maybe it's because Gronk has been out and you get that reliability coming out of the backfield. He's been in there more. Um, but you just look at the numbers. He's getting targeted about four or five times a game. Three, four catches a game, and it's pretty consistent for this year. He's around 25, 26 receiving yards. So, you know, depending on where it pops, you know, DraftKings at 28 and a half, as Brad said, that's a little high for his liking. But, yeah, I mean, if it's in the mid-20s, I think Leonard Fournette, I just, you know, 47 two weeks ago, 43 last week, it feels like there's a comfort level with, uh, with Tom Brady. And as you mentioned, Sean, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown. It's kind of like pick a name out of the hat, right? It, there, there's, it's not consistent of who's going to get those targets. Some games, like, you know, against Dallas, it was, uh, was it Antonio Brown? Yep. Like, phew, way over. 
Then it was Mike Evans. Yeah. Then it was Chris Godwin. And the one constant through all of those games was Gronk. Right. But now with Gronk out, you know, it, it really is a roll of the dice from player prop. But uh, if you're going to take a player, I like Brady. Brady's throwing for 300 yards more. Yeah, it's up to 301. Oh, it's going up. Uh, yeah, 301 right now. 301 and a half at DraftKings. And, Just, I, and I love Brady over the two and a half touchdown passes because Tampa throws the ball in the red zone, and as they get inside the 5 and the 10, they continue to throw the ball. So Get some plus money on that. Yeah. Juice. You're expecting a high-scoring game. I am. All right. I mean, the Bucs are beat up on defense, man. I like Gaskins as a running back. You know, I like Jalen to extend some plays. I think they're getting more confident as a young offense and what they're capable of doing. Now, they didn't do anything last week against the Panthers in the first half. They played better in the second, but so who knows? Philly's an anomaly. You never really can count on them to show up either good or bad. But at home, they've played better, in my opinion, than they have on the road offensively. Before we get out of here, Navy getting 10.5. I love it. Taking the points? Yeah, I love Navy. All right. I love Navy tomorrow. Let's go, Mids. Let's take care of business. Plus the 10.5. I know Scott Seidenberg coming up next. He's got some plays for you. Said he fired away on a couple college football plays. So we'll get those for you, I'm sure. Top of the hour with the look ahead. That is Sean King. I'm Tim Murray. Thanks to Mo Pearson. Thanks to Brad Evans, Kenny White, Dieter Kurtenbach. We are the Nightcap. See you tomorrow right here on VSIN.